today, uh, as I wrap up, uh, I want to give you a little bit more ammunition as well. And it's in the whole area of uh, intercessory prayer. We are actually called to pray for others. But here's a, here's a, a question. Um, and, and I mean, I already know the answer for myself. Is our prayer life more reactive or proactive? Is our prayer life reactive or is it proactive? What do I mean by that? Well, I would suggest for most people, and I'll stick my hand up here, most of our praying is actually reactive praying. Our intercession for other people is generally reactive. We don't actually think to pray for other people unless we know they're going through a hard time or unless they've got a problem and they've asked for prayer. And that's kind of when we kick into intercessory prayer mode where sometimes a situation arises in somebody else's life, maybe even in our own lives, and it actually forces us to get serious about prayer. And as long as the situation continues, I'll keep praying, I'll keep pressing in, I'll keep asking God for breakthrough. But then as soon as the situation is resolved, we kind of check that off our prayer list. We stop praying for that person. And then we start praying for someone else who is in a crisis situation. So we move from emergency to emergency. And in that way, we are reactive instead of being proactive. And so today, you probably guessed where I'm heading I want to talk about a proactive way of praying for others, a proactive way of intercession. And we're going to dig into a particular prayer that Paul prayed for the Colossian church. And I want to tell you, this prayer works. This prayer is effective. This prayer will change people. And it's a powerful prayer. Now get this, it's not powerful because of the specific words that we employ when we pray. It's powerful because of the nature of the requests that you are making. And you can have every confidence as you pray this prayer that each and every request you make is completely within the will of God for that person. It's not powerful because it's a magic formula. This is not witchcraft. It's not casting spells. It, it's powerful because it's what God already desires to do in the hearts of his people. So you are only asking God to do what God already wants to do. So let's read together in Colossians 1 and 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
This is an incredible prayer. We could just unpack this for weeks. It's an incredible prayer. And and I'm just going to pull out five points this morning that will change our lives if we pray these things for ourselves. But importantly, in the context of today, a powerful prayer to be praying for others as we pray and intercede. And the first thing that we see in verse 9, Paul is praying, hey guys, I just want you to know the purpose of God. What a great prayer to be praying for others. I want you to know the purpose of God for your life. For this reason, verse 9, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You know, there are so many people who live on this earth who are totally confused about their purpose in life. Why am I here? Why am I on the face of this planet? And sadly, particularly in the West, we've confused it with the kind of job that we have, the kind of stuff that we own, how much money is in our bank account, the kind of houses that we build. And let me say, all of those are good things, nothing wrong with any of those. And they can fit into God's purpose for your life. But they are not your purpose for being here. If your job is your purpose on earth, what happens when you lose your job? Well, I've lost my purpose. It's not your job. If your purpose, the thing that drives you is the stuff that you own or how much money you have in the bank or the kind of house that you build, what happens if in some disaster or some economic crash you lose all of that? Do you lose purpose? Because as soon as you lose the one thing that you feel that you need to make your life significant, if you lose it, then you begin to question your purpose. But God's Word tells us that our ultimate, pers- our ultimate purpose is not about stuff. Can I hear an amen? Our ultimate purpose is a growing relationship with God that helps us navigate life, not from a human perspective, but from a spiritual perspective and to be God's agents, to be God's people on this earth, fulfilling God's kingdom call. And Paul says, you gain this understanding this understanding of God's purpose, this understanding of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The truth is, you and I just don't need to be wise from a human perspective. We need, we desperately need spiritual wisdom and discernment. Why? Well, in part, because there's a whole bunch of good things that I could choose to do in life. There's a whole bunch of activities. There's a whole bunch of good works that all have merit. And I could, I could launch myself into that stuff. I could get totally immersed in it. I can get involved with a whole bunch of good stuff. But ultimately, I need to be dialed in to what God wants me to be doing. I need the ability to discern the will of God, number one, through His Word. And number two, through the leading of his Holy Spirit. 
Because we can fall into the trap of getting so preoccupied in life with a whole bunch of stuff that God never intended for us to do. And so we need godly wisdom. We need knowledge, spiritual knowledge and discernment just to cut through the noise of a world that is just full of distraction. So as we pray for others, what a great way to intercede for them. God, I pray that they would know your purpose in their lives. That's a proactive way of interceding for others. The second thing that we draw out of this in verse 10, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Great way to pray for others. God, I pray that this person would live a life worthy of you. Proactive prayer. What does Paul mean when he says live a life worthy? Well, the word that we translate worthy actually means weight. So when Paul prays, he's praying that their lives would have substance to them, that their lives would have some weight to them, not physical weight. When somebody is living a life worthy of the Lord, they are making a noticeable impact everywhere they go. A person living a life worthy of the Lord brings with them a presence into every environment, a presence into every room. The spirit of the room changes when a person living a life worthy of the Lord walks into the room. The spirit of the room changes, the conversation changes because they make an impact. There is a weightiness, a substance to them everywhere they go. And even when they leave, their presence is still felt because their impact continues to influence people even after they've physically left the room. And they are people of influence because they are people with godly substance in them. Jesus was a weighty person. No question. Everywhere he went, people were radically changed. Nothing was ever the same after Jesus showed up. Now, it's also true that the pages of history tell us that there have been bunch of leaders who have made a hugely negative impact. So perhaps with that realization in mind, Paul adds some clarification back to verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. So not only are we to live lives of impact, but he's saying you live a life of impact for the Lord, lives that are weighty for the Lord, lives that are worthy for the Lord. And can I say the one thing that I want people to say of me when I'm gone is not to mention achievement or anything like that. I just, I just pray. I just pray that when I go, people would say of me, He just helped me get closer to God. I understood something more of God because of Him. I pray that people would say my life had impact because it had kingdom weight to it. Does it make sense? Friends, can I encourage you? Do not settle for a life that has no depth. 
a life that is just a chasing after the things of this world, a life that is being spent rather than a life that is being invested. That is an absolute waste. Paul would encourage us to live a life worthy. Imagine employing this as you are praying, uh, maybe for your spouse. My spouse isn't in the room this morning, so I can use her as an object lesson. She works for the Electoral Commission, so she's had a very busy weekend. Imagine praying for your spouse every day. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give Kerry clear direction in her life. I pray that she would grow in her relationship with you every day and then all she does today, she will remember that she's doing it for your glory. I pray that wherever she goes, she will make an undeniable impact for your kingdom in the lives of other people and in our community. That's a great prayer to pray for your spouse. It's a proactive prayer. What do you suppose the impact of that prayer would be if you prayed that prayer for them every day? What about your kids? Oh, another object lesson. I've got two of them in the front row. Esther, come here. Come on. <laughs> this is my daughter visiting from Brisbane. I'm very proud of her and what God is doing in her life. Oh, that wasn't what I came to. Well, you're an object lesson. What if, what if you prayed for your kids every day? If you prayed proactively for your kids and you said, God, just so speak to Esther, so work in her life that her life will have your substance to it. I pray that she will have an eternal impact in this world for you. I pray that when people see Esther coming, that it will put smiles on people's faces. That it will be, she would bring peace to conflict. That she would bring healing to pain. I pray that her life would be so weighty, so heavy, that it cannot be ignored or removed. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> It's a proactive way of praying. Thirdly, Paul says, pray that they may live productive lives. Verse 10, bearing fruit in every good work. This echoes Jesus' words, John 15 and 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And here in this prayer for the Colossians, Paul prays that these people would bear fruit in every good work. Friends, we've got to pause and take stock at times and ask ourselves the question, what do I see when I look back over my life? We might not like to think about that, but I think it's important that we do from time to time because we're not placed on this earth just to take up space. You were put here so that Jesus could live his life through you, so that you can produce his good works here on this earth. Because we, the church, are Jesus' body, accomplishing on earth 
all that Jesus would do if he was still physically present here today. Ephesians 2 and 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I pray that as we look over our lives, we can just give glory to God and say, Father, I know you used me in that situation. All glory to you. Use me in that situation. All glory to you. God intends that your life bear fruit for his glory. But to bear fruit, we've got to develop deep roots. And Paul prayed that these Christians would be productive, productive fruit trees, to borrow the analogy. Trees that had their roots so deep down in Jesus, so that even when dry times came, they would not only survive, but thrive. And Paul prayed that in every good thing they did for God, there would be positive fruit, there would be eternal results. Wouldn't you love it? if somebody was proactively interceding for you in this way. They're saying, God, I pray for that person. I pray there would be great fruit in their lives, that there would be positive, visible results in all they do for you. You know, one of the things, um, just to let you into my world, one of the tasks around home that I actually enjoy doing is mowing the lawn. Any blokes that are, I just love mowing the lawn now. I've got to ride on. We've got two and a half acres. It's all grass. And I hate it this time of year. But I love getting to the end of mowing the paddock and looking back and going, that looks pretty good. There is something deeply satisfying about it because you see the visible results of your labor. And I love seeing the results. I love seeing the difference that I've made. Friends, in the same way, we've got to desperately long to see kingdom results in our lives and in the church. God, that we would be fruit bearers for your glory, that our lives would make a visible difference. We pray that for ourselves and how cool that we can pray that for others. Fourth thing he prays. He prays that they will grow in their personal knowledge of God. Verse 10 again, growing in the knowledge of God. And I believe for each one of us, if you're a believer here this morning, following after Christ, if you are on that disciple road, the greatest desire of our lives should be, I just want to know God more. I just want to know God better. And the greatest desire and the greatest goal for each day is just to wake up and say, God, thank you that you were with me yesterday. You know what? I want to know you better today than I did yesterday. I've been to a lot of churches that actually have a a great mission statement plastered on the wall somewhere. And it goes something like this, to know Christ and to make him known. I think that's pretty good. But when it says to know Christ, it's not talking about knowing facts about Jesus. It's not about just knowing the events of the Bible from cover to cover. Because you can actually know all about a person without having ever met the person. But what we need to do as we pursue a risen Saviour 
is pursue a relationship with God that gets deeper and stronger and closer every single day. But sadly, you know, the thought of a relationship with God is a foreign concept to so many people. You know, that as Christians, we have this incredible privilege. We have this beautiful opportunity to have a relationship with God. A personal relationship with God. A relationship that God himself made possible. You know, that truth actually sets us apart from every other religion in the world. People of other faiths, they know about their God, but they don't ever have the option of getting to know their God personally. But the whole point of Jesus coming to earth was to wonderfully bridge this gap between God, perfect creator, and mankind, fallen creation. That God made a way for us to actually get to know him personally. So cool. When people often ask me, uh, how do I get to know God? How do I know what God is like? The simple answer is, check out Jesus. Because in Jesus, you will come to understand very much what God is like. And it's so much more than knowing about Jesus. It's actually knowing Jesus. Because friends, Jesus is alive. Can I hear an amen? Jesus is alive. And he lives in us by his Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and 15, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. That word that we've looked at in recent weeks. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit that God has poured out upon mankind that takes up residence in us tells you you're God's child. How cool is that? And as Paul shows us, as he reveals to us what he is praying for the Colossian church, I tell you, it's the prayer that I pray for this church. God, would you give to this beautiful church an increased understanding of who you are, that you would cause them, that you would draw them to want to know you better today than they knew you yesterday. That's a cool, proactive prayer. And then finally, number five. And again, we could probably pull 30 points out of this, but I'm just picking five today. And he says, pray that they would be filled with the power of God. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. So if you and I were praying this part of the prayer for somebody else, what we're effectively praying is this. God, I just pray that this person that I'm praying for right now 
would experience the supernatural power of God in every area of their life. What a great proactive prayer. Friends, the only way that we can live the life that God has called us to live and the only way that we can begin to be the church that God has called us to be is in and through His power. The way to live lives of substance and weight and influence, a life worthy is through the power of God. The way to to, to bear fruit, the way to be productive in all that we do for God is through the power of God. We cannot do this in our own strength. In fact, it's impossible because God never intended for us to do it in our own strength. God simply wants us to be living in daily dependence upon Him. And the closer we get to Him, the more we rely upon Him, the more we will receive His power. But obviously, if you're not doing the things that cause you to draw near to God and understand Him in a deeper way, you won't experience His power because you cannot separate God's power from God's person. That makes sense? We all want the power, but I don't really know God. You can't separate God's power from God's person. And we cannot live a life worthy without Christ in us and without Christ living His life through us by His Holy Spirit. But then there's another part because it's not just about the power to do and to be what God has called us to be. We love that bit. We know that bit. That's the exciting bit. But he also talks about power for endurance and patience. Who needs endurance and patience right now? Rhetorical question, don't raise your hand. But all of us do, hey. And we're not real good at it. That when the going gets tough, when the going gets hard, Paul's saying, I pray that you would know in that moment the supernatural power of God for endurance and patience. What a great prayer. We all need that prayer prayed for us. What would it do for you if you knew that you had someone praying a prayer like that for you every day? A prayer for you, number one, to know God's purpose for your life. A prayer that you would be a person of influence and substance so that you might positively impact every life and situation that you encounter. A prayer that you would be productive in every good work that you do for God's glory. A prayer that you would get to know God better, better today, closer today than you were yesterday. And then a prayer to experience the supernatural power of God in every aspect and facet of your life. That kind of prayer encourage you? Absolutely. Would it change your life? Absolutely. But let's flip it around. Would you be willing to pray that prayer for somebody else? Maybe your kids, maybe your friends, maybe your spouse, maybe a neighbor, workmate, a friend, maybe a pastor. I'll take all I can get.